I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks. I'm Julian. And I'm Jasmine. And today we're turning the tables and interviewing Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan. This is something I've been thinking about a lot, which I don't know if it's like correct or like a valuable, I think it's a valuable thing to think about, but like, I don't know if I'm educated enough about religion in general to like really know, but I was in an anthropology class and we were talking about religion and I had to like describe being Jewish because I was the only Jewish person in the class and like um, (laughs) the teacher did the thing where they like were like... So uh, raise your hand if you're Catholic, raise your hand if you're this, because we were talking about different religions. And when I was trying to explain it, like people weren't getting Judaism unless I were to say it in the context of Christianity, like the Old Testament of Christianity. And it's interesting that you're saying like how there is like being Jewish is not just like Christianity before Jesus. It's like a different way of looking at the divine which like it's both valid ways of looking at the divine um and all of that but it's like being jewish is like it's a individual thing you know it's, it's like, an individual yeah. thing yet so in order to be a christian there is a credo mm-hmm. that you need to believe yeah in order to be jewish now if somebody's going through a conversion that they may ask that question the rabbis involved but the, in truth if you're Particularly if you're born Jewish, nobody's going to ask you, do you or don't you believe in God? Nobody's going to ask you that question. But what they might ask you about is how do you behave in the world? Mm -hmm. What path? How does Judaism inform the path of your life? So morning prayers begin with saying thank you for being alive. Mm -hmm. There are blessings that we say for almost everything, which is different ways of being grateful. And also anchoring us to the moment. Yeah. Right? So what I said this year, uh, High Holidays, Zehayoma Sadanoi, this is the day that God has made, which is true every single day. If I focus myself and I say that, then I'm able to be grateful that I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not that I have having a transcendent personal moment. It's more that, oh, I'm here. I am uh, here. I am with all these wonderful things in my life. And, you know, I may be stressed about some of them, but, you know, that's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have that vocabulary to describe that because that's what how I've always experienced being Jewish. Like, I've thought of it as, like, how being Jewish informs the way I behave in the world. Like, that's how I look at Jewish identity. Oh, we're going back to the topic of the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to be how I look at Jew- Jewish identity. And I've been like trying to describe that to people or like have the vocabulary to describe that to people. Um, and I think it's been hard, hard to do because um, we do live in a culture like in America where the dominant religion is Christianity. So people, when people think of religion, they view it through a Christian lens. And it's yeah. hard to describe your religion, especially if your religion does have a lot of similarities in scripture to Christianity. Um, it's hard to sort of have that vocabulary to describe your religion. 
like outside of relating to the dominant religious culture. Yeah. So yeah, that, Wait, I mean, there are things we absolutely have in common, but it's, yeah. but it's it comes from a different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also what you said about, um, well, let me just ask this question and then I'll say like, then I'll say what I was going to say. What is like the holiest experience you've had? And you mentioned that like a lot of the time when you feel like the presence of God or you feel like that spiritual connection, it's just like a fleeting moment. And I can definitely like, or not a fleeting moment, but it's just like an awareness. And then it kind of passes. And like that, that really speaks to my own experiences. I feel like, especially when I'm at synagogue and like they're singing and like, I'm kind of just like at peace. Like I feel sort of like, I feel like that holiness in the room. But so one of the most recent ones was this year at Yom Kippur when Sarah Banks was playing Kol Nidre on the violin. The hair, I mean, even as I talk about it, the hair on my neck went up and I was, I was transformed. It was just extraordinary. And then it was, and then it was, right? And sometimes it, it, it happens in a service. It happens when somebody asks me to do a life cycle event. It happens when I'm teaching and somebody has an aha moment. It certainly happened when Jonah wrote that piece. Yeah. He wrote, it's on my desk, right, somewhere. This is like now this, like the slogan of Tequila. <laughs> right. Yeah, here it is on the original. Right. So I, I asked the kids to write their own song and he's in fourth That's grade. And he wrote, Dude, we like to do stuff, but you ought to know you like to give that loot and stuff. You are gracious and kind. We are your creation and our teeth don't grind. You gave us the galaxy. There's so much that doesn't make sense to me. The world is so big that it could hold all of humankind. Sadly, I can only watch one generation in my time. The world is uneven. It has both lemon and lime. I don't understand people get along with their life, though other people here really can strive. Life is like a maze. You can make a wrong turn and it's like you get tased. That's yeah, really good. Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh my God, Jonah is so talented. Like, that's like a rap. Yeah, yes, no. it, it is. I mean, I can't yes, so. do it in that way. But yeah, you know, so those are the moments. Yeah. <laughs> and it's in talking to you about it, I realize it's not something that I do that creates those moments. It's often when somebody else does something yeah. that I have those moments. And certainly, you know, Watching a moon rise sometimes can give it to me, or but music too. I feel music, yeah. Music is really the big one. Yeah, music is so like sorry. No, um, <laughs> but I, I feel like music is just so interesting because what is it? Sorry, this is like a weird <laughs> question, but like, what is it about like random sounds that just make us so happy? Like, there's something that's just, holy about that because it doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like for me, I find like holiness in things that are just like, like I feel like music being a thing is a miracle almost because it's yeah, like for sure you're just making noise and it's so great. But I think, I think as <laughs> humans we have yeah, but as humans we have an affinity for like balance and melody and. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes comes out with music. Like, I think that's, yeah. But it is like, 
I think about this all the time. Like, what if like the air pressure was a little bit different on Earth and like we just like <laughs> just it wasn't possible for us to have like music in the same way. Like, how would our lives be different? Oh and my gosh, it's yeah. scary. That'd be awful. Yeah, it would suck. Yeah, my headphones broke. Um, <laughs> so I'm experiencing that. So I'm experiencing that right now. Yeah, um, they've been broken for like six months. <laughs> This is um, this is kind of a weird thing, but I listen to like the uh, call to prayer, like in for Islam, like the Adhan. I think mm-hmm. it's called. I might be mispronouncing that. And for some reason, that like really gives me like that's like really Beautiful. gives me that holy like feeling or like that. I don't know that peaceful feeling, and I don't know what it is about it, but I don't it's know. there's something very pure about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like just, it's just this is what we're. <laughs> It, has like a it, it transports me to a different place somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I just imagine, like, I don't know. Yeah, we kind of ran out of questions, so if you have... We did? Oh, all right. This is something I thought of. How would you describe yourself as a rabbi in, like, one or two words? Because uh, I, I have a suggestion. You can do more than one or two words, okay, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> can, I, can I give you my suggestion? Yeah, why, don't you, why don't you tell me how you would describe me as a rabbi in one or two all words? All right, this also applies to, like, tequila in general, but, like, rebel. I think that really like sums up. Like, oh yeah, what we because are. you were saying before how you were a rebel in your yeshiva school. Yeah, and and also like at the at the Hebrew school, like there's so much room for people to be rebellious. Like that's kind of what it's all about. Like Is it, I like that. I think that's. I'm gonna. Work, it's space. Yeah. It's space with boundaries. There are boundaries. Yeah, what I would say is. Yeah, of really- course there is, but like rebellion, as much as it's just encouraged growth which would in other spaces be frowned upon. Like asking when, when I say rebel, I don't mean like, <laughs> let's go cut off the king's head. I mean like being very like different and unique and proud of that. Yeah. Like unapologetic about who we are. Mm-hmm. That's what comes to mind when I think about my experience at Tehillah. Valuing um, curiosity. That's what I would say. Yeah. Curiosity and collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... What I know as a rabbi is that nobody can do it alone. And I worry about people who are alone, Mm -hmm. who don't have families. Yeah, because that's hard. Or don't have a network of friends. Those are people that you really have concern for. What kind of rabbi am I? I don't know. I think think I'm open to change. I'm Mm -hmm. open to learning new things. So there's an openness. But there's also very much... um, a rootedness, so so open and rooted at the same time. In yeah. some ways, I'm very traditional. In other ways, not at all. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know how else to say that. Uh, no, that's that's pretty accurate. I think that um, I have a personal philosophy where I, I think that in order to have conviction in your beliefs, you have to be open-minded because I don't think that if you refuse to challenge your beliefs ever or like refuse to be exposed to differences then I mean I just I feel like you can't feel as strongly about what you feel to be right you know yeah I have to say going to Istanbul with Dr. Afridi for the Islamic Women's Conference was asked to be on that panel that was a life changing moment for me talk mm-hmm. about a holy moment I'll say the one yeah. I had there transformative because what I realized and I hadn't 
why didn't I know this? I should have known this. That in Islam, as within Judaism, as within Christianity, actually, because there are many different slices of Christianity, there are many slices of Islam. Mm-hmm. It's not one yeah. way. Yeah. And the way you could tell from the way the women were dressed, some of them were incredibly dressed in up to the latest fashion, and others were, you know, traditional. Very traditional. Not just the hijab, but just. Yeah. Um, and there were no men there, so it wasn't even about men being present mm-hmm. or not being present. So, for me, that was an opening of understanding uh, somebody who is not somebody, but people who are different than I am. But being open to new things, absolutely. And and one of the moments at this conference was hearing a a teacher uh, speak, Turkish uh, woman, and she is. I, she made me cry, and I'm listening to her in translation mm-hmm. from my headset because it was all it was all about love. It was this incredible loving speech that she was given, and uh, so afterwards she spoke no English. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't speak any Turkish, uh, <laughs> so I went up to her and I just uh, did some hand motions and I thanked her and I put my hand over my heart and I looked at and we looked we made this eye contact, and so then for the rest of the conference. Whenever we saw each other, we would smile and we would, and when, and before I left, because I left a little early, I I said to Dr. Fridi, I need to say goodbye. And so I found her and we looked at each other and I said, I'm like, gesture, I'm going. It's been a pleasure. How do you say that? Just with hand motions. And she was wearing a necklace and she took it off and she put it over my head. And that's a classic move. (laughs) That's a classic move. Right. And that connection. Yeah. You know, with this Sufi teacher was so wordless communication, changing one's position. I I have a very similar story, actually. Not like obviously it wasn't as I was like eight when it happened. So um, <laughs> these things can happen at any time. Um, but I was in Greece when I was like eight. I went my aunt's boss had a villa in Greece and we all went and we lived there for a couple of months. I think it was just a month actually. And I made some friends and who were my age and none of them spoke English. Uh, but I just like hung out with them and communicated with them wordlessly for like, you know, a while. Um, and then one time I was on the beach and I was talking to some new friends and it was like my last day. Um, and I was talking to some new friends and I was leaving and one of them had gone to their like parent and asked for a translation of like, when are you coming back? And then came up to me and was like, when are you coming back? And I was like, never. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah. I mean, I didn't say it like that, but it was really sad. Um, but yeah, it's like. <laughs> That's just making me feel so sad. Right it was now. really trap. I want to find those people. Like, yeah. And. Yeah, so I had a sort of similar thing where it was like I connected with a bunch of people where I couldn't communicate with them verbally. <laughs> but, but yet there's a way of communication. Mm-hmm. We, we can we can make connection if we really see one another. It's, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah. I feel like a yeah. lot, like the most like powerful acts of kindness are like between strangers. And when there's like, it's not an exchange. Somebody's just doing something nice. Like somebody's just helping somebody for the just for that fact like i've i feel like in new york city at least like we're all just like rushing around you know like get on my way like i'm late for the train but sometimes there are those moments where like there's connection between strangers and like i don't know kindness 
And that random works. acts of kindness. Yes. That's what they are. Yeah. And, they, and they're really powerful. Yeah. I was, um, I have another story, if that's go, okay. Go for it. Go ahead. <laughs> I was waiting for, I recently discovered that there's a Bronx Manhattan bus that goes right to my house. Wait, which one? I'm, the BXM3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully no stalker is listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of stops on the BXM3. Um, but I was waiting for the BXM and it was pouring and my umbrella broke. <laughs> and it was taking like an hour to get there. And I was on the Upper East Side and I was just like drenched and like... <laughs> very pathetic looking and there's a woman comes up to me and she's like sweetie are you okay do you want to share my umbrella and so we just like she just like let me her umbrella and we had a conversation about like what colleges I was applying to <laughs> like um what I wanted to be and yeah and the bus didn't come for like 20 more minutes it was crazy um That's but nice. yeah and it was like I had never like talked to someone in New York like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> My children always accuse me of being too friendly with people on the subway. Oh huh? uh, yeah, making I, I, I you know I, I, breaking the cardinal rule of making yeah. eye contact. Yeah, I, I, I always like uh, talk to the homeless people. I know that's weird, but like, and that's just like I don't know. For some, like yeah, I also like. And more prone to make eye contact with people just because, like, I'm really bored on the subway and, like, yeah. But I also, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you see someone who just looks like they've had a hard day and you want to give them a smile. Yeah. You know, just to say, I, I see you look really tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that little exchange. Mm-hmm. So, any any other questions you have for me? Or uh, anything I you feel I haven't answered sufficiently or something you that pops to mind that... What is this life of a rabbi? And I'll, I'll say one other thing is that um, you didn't get into that much, but I, I think that the way women in general, I don't want to make a blanket statement because not all women are the same, but the way women understand the rabbinate is going to be a little bit different than the way men understand the rabbinate. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my greatest difficulties in rabbinical school was uh, I have no trouble studying Bible, love studying Bible. And I've had great teachers. The place, because I'd never studied it before, uh, that I had the most difficulty was studying Talmud, which is a male, predominantly male document yeah. uh, over the which century. It's also about like minutia. It's, like, it's about minutia, but it's the male voice. And luckily, the blessing for me was, uh, for some reason, I was allowed to take a class that was an advanced class my first semester in rabbinical school. And because I was a newbie, I didn't have to do the translation work. I had to do the analytic work in the course so that it was a course that was open no matter where you were in your trajectory. But for people who'd been there longer, they had to do different work than those. So uh, it was exactly on that topic, you know, the role of women. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was hard. It was hard. And it's something I'm still... Studying, I just took a class online uh, right before the holidays with one of my favorite Talmud teachers. And it was three sessions on finding women in the Talmud, not not stories about them, but where they help with making the decision-making, mm-hmm. where their examples help in the decision-making. So this 
was my greatest challenge. And I, I look for places where that challenge can be rescued in some ways. And somebody, mm-hmm. else is, somebody else is doing the heavy lifting, but at least I get to benefit from their heavy lifting of, mm-hmm. of analysis and, and looking through the tradition to comb through, to pull out <laughs> these, these gems. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I don't know if we have time for another question. Go for it. Um, how do you think adding a woman's perspective or a woman's lens to Judaism in general is helpful or important? One of my teachers believes very strongly the women's strand of our story has been buried. Mm-hmm. And that it's our job to look for the evidence, which is what that Talmud teacher mm-hmm. did. Uh, does and that what we're excavating we're doing some k- kind of archaeology right <laughs> we're trying to find where the woman's uh, strand is and why is that important I think because we are we are not the same men and women are not the same our experience in the world is not the same uh, I thought when I first became a parent that uh, boys and girls yeah they're no gender different. well you know my, my son would stop and watch a construction site for half an hour when he was three uh, and my daughter would never have been interested. And I thought that was sort of, it was, you know, somewhat gender-based of, of, and, you know, he was, yeah, the dinosaur thing and all of that stuff. So I, I think there are differences in the way that we approach things. I think that women tend to be more collaborative, tend to be, not all, but tend to be more collaborative. We're socialized to be collaborative. So the rabbinet looks different for a woman than for a man. And I know that that it's, I want to say it's softer because it's not softer. It's just, it's different. It's, it's less top down in some ways. Though when it comes to making religious decisions, I'm still going to be top down, but it's going to come from a different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So you have any, do you have any final thoughts? So you can. Um, do you have any questions for us? Well, I want to know, do you know any other rabbis? I don't think so. I, I mean, not, like, not at the same level. Well, but you know, you're, you're, you have a family member who's a rabbi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, but I, I haven't... You don't experience him that way. I mean, I, I do. I guess I do see... Like, he is a very, like... All right, this is going to be weird. Or this is just going to sound weird. But, like, he doesn't really fit into my, like idea of what a rabbi is because it's kind of more like based on how you act than how he does and he's also like he's also my uncle so you know like I kind of see him more as just like you know a normal guy than like if I was just like a member of so it's like the people that knew me from before I was a rabbi Mm -hmm. yeah got it I don't know any other rabbis I've met other rabbis but like I don't know them And I definitely feel like my perception of what a rabbi is is definitely based on you. Um, That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's turned out fine, though. Yeah. Okay. It's a good model for rabbiness. Yeah. Not, you, not an adjective. But. Would you recommend being a rabbi? Like, think? I, I think if you're somebody who, who likes to do a lot of different kinds of things, that would be good. It's good because I think because you have uh, you wear many different hats. You can't be good at all of them. Mm-hmm. But I am not a rabbi scholar, for instance. Yes. I have colleagues who are absolute 
the brilliant scholars. My rabbinate is much more about the people that I serve, about being a, a teacher and being a resource and and a community leader. A community leader, mm-hmm. yeah. But so there are many different kinds. But it, no matter what kind of rabbi you are, you have to have more than one skill set. <laughs> and I think that is actually very interesting because mm-hmm. in the course of one's lifetime, one has many different opportunities to do many different things. And the rabbinate is one of those places where you can do that all under that one larger rubric of rabbi. Yeah, I feel like it's not valuable in a lot of jobs or careers to have, like, I've been using this word a lot, like an eclectic skill set where you, like, Like draw from a lot of different, you know, sources. I mean, I think when you're you're a leader or you're um, working with people, that can be helpful yeah no i know but i, but I like mean, if you're like, doing like an I, you know of nine to five like, yeah that's Jamba what i Juice. mean and i was saying like i was you don't just, need to study yeah. the jewish tradition as much <laughs> but, but actually I was, yeah sorry <laughs> there are classes in some of the offices downtown on uh, what judaism has to teach about business yeah, it's a lunchtime. What does it have to teach about business? It has a lot to teach about business, about business ethics. Yeah, and I'm kind of interested in going into business, so that I would be interested to take that class. Right, I mean, and this is organized. I don't know if it still was, but it's the former rabbi who was at. at uh, anyway, somebody was offering this class downtown, and mm-hmm. and working with people who were in the business community. Yeah, studying mm-hmm. ethics is a really. It's important. Yeah, because, you know, if you... I was doing a project, and I'm going way back. I was doing a project in 10th grade where I had to, like, fake run my own business mathematically. And we had to do things like cut workers' wages and, like, that kind of stuff to get, like, the... <laughs> like, yeah, it was... Yeah, <laughs> to get the biggest profit margin. And when you're doing that, you're like... Oh, so like, there's no ethical lens here. Well, there, yeah, there can be. The yeah, there. Ha- I think there should be. So my question would be: would, Was it possible in that model to give the uh, workers ownership in the company so that they had a vested interest? Therefore, yeah. they're they're they'd be working harder because mm-hmm. it would show on the bottom line. Yeah, my yeah. dad was actually a part of um, a company like that, or like when he was younger, he worked in like a warehouse. I think it was and. All the workers had it was like um like owned by the employees I guess so all the workers had uh like shares in the company and they were all like super involved with it and like super like opinionated and and like they cared about it pretty much and that sounds cool to me mm-hmm. but also on the business side of things like I feel like what appeals to me most not about like business but in general is building like relationships with people and I think you know, business has that potential to build, like, long, mutually beneficial relationships. It depends. Yes, yeah. it does. And, it, and, and But the ethical piece is a, is a very, you know, in a, in a larger company, are you willing to hear what your employees have to say when they see something that could be improved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, valuing your employers as people as opposed to statistics. Or right, right. So I, I'm going to take it back to, to Hila for a moment. And so... What I see for our community is uh, one where people listen to one another, where new ideas are welcome, where the fact that you... Just accepting. Yeah, and we try something, and if it doesn't work... We go back to the drawing board. We go back to the drawing yeah. board because we're small enough to be able to do that, which is which is a benefit. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I think I guess we should end right now. But uh, at, should we close thank off? You. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure. Thank you for answering our questions. Yes, thank you so much. This, this is, is really interesting. Yeah. yeah, so many of those answers were so good. <laughs> um, okay, this has been Tequila Talks. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.